0: Thank you for listening to Data Science at Home podcast with Francesco Gadaletta. You are about to get cutting edge insights from the people who are reshaping the world of technology with machine learning, data science, and artificial intelligence. It's time for Data Science at Home. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to another episode of data science at home podcast. I'm Francesco, your host, and uh, I'm podcasting from the regular office of Leuven in Belgium. Today, I'm not alone. I'm with uh, a friend and uh, also the co founder of um, a very interesting project we are going to discuss in this show. Uh, I'm with uh, Mr. Danny Wong. Hi, Danny, how are you doing?
1: Hey, Francesco. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me at the Data Science at Home podcast. I'm very excited for this talk. (laughs)
0: And it's a pleasure to have you here as well. So Danny is, uh, as I mentioned, the co-founder of um, uh, several startups now. One uh, is FAQ Bot. Uh, He was the product owner and co-founder, of course. Um, He's also the co-founder of Muna.io, M-U-N-A.io. It's a personal data marketplace. Uh, But what is more uh, important, among other things, is that Danny has a a quite strong engineering background and also an MBA from a top university in the Benelux area. Uh, So he's like those rare figures that uh, understand very well technology and the consequences of it. Right, Danny? Yes, yes.
1: I mean, I try, you know, I try to do my best. Um, I guess in this way is trying to get a good overview, general view, at the same time, be able to actually deep dive deep enough to understand what you know, what is technically engineering we could do. Um, so that's indeed one of my strengths. Zoom in and zoom out, as they say.
0: <laughs> exactly. So the what we are going to discuss today in, in this show is um, uh, data ethics. And so this is one of these topics that are embracing pretty much any domain. Um, everyone should be studying these things in my opinion. No matter their preparation in you know in terms of technology or technical skills, uh, data ethics is something that we should all really get familiar with. So my first question to you, Danny is, what is Data Ethics?
1: It's a, it's a good question, Francesco. You know, personally, for me, when I started this journey, I was very ignorant about Data Ethics. I don't know, um, I got into it because with MUNA project, because we are dealing with data. And then as you dig deeper, we realized that, you know, what we are doing is actually to help individual consumer. And as I dig further, I realized that, you know, what we've been trying to do or at MUNA it's actually there's a name for it. It's called data ethics, you know. I okay, data ethics. What the hell is that, right? So I, I start I start digging into it um, um, and met a lot of different experts. And funnily, all these experts come from some for whatever reason in the Scandinavia area. Yeah, uh, one of them is the think tank, data ethic think tank. So what is data ethics? Data ethics is actually a set of principles that people use when they are Using data, to whether using that data to build a model, a data model, or use that to build an artificial intelligence, is that guiding principle that tries to guide people to do good while using data. Got it. So that that in a, in a nutshell.
0: Okay, and so what are these principles? Like you mentioned, there are some principles, I mean, I'm, of course, probably we're not going to be able to give an exhaustive (laughs) list of such principles, but what do you actually mean?
1: Yeah, no, that's a good question. You know, it's we can spend a whole podcast talking about this principle, but that's not the idea. (laughs) But it's very simple. There's five principles. I'm going to list them out briefly and talk through a bit of those. The first one is human-centric. The data that you're going to use should be the purpose solely to improve humans' life and for the interest of human. Interest of human before any commercial gain, for example. So that's the human centric part. You want to do good and do it good for human. That's one. Second is equality. You know, um, Equality as in the data that you use should show the reality of how diverse we are and understand what that impact could be uh, to other different communities. So that's the second equality. The third one will be control. Uh, you want to give control, full control to individuals. Individuals that you want to help, they should have the control and say how the data are going to be used. So that's third one. The fourth one, which is very common, you hear a lot of time, is transparency. You, know, you say what you do and you do what you say, make sure that people understand clearly what they buy into or going to use the data for. And The fourth one is, again, we hear a lot too, is accountable. Meaning that you will need to be accountable throughout the whole process when you collect data, use data all the way through uh, when you take any decision. So it's very simple, five principle, simple to understand, simple simple to grasp, but not always simple to
0: apply. Right. So this reminds me a bit of the um, what is the rules for uh, healthy robotics or safe robotics? <laughs> Asimov was like the pioneer of. Uh, uh, putting down uh, the rules that uh, you know uh, scientists of the future uh, would have should have respected and should have followed. Uh, so, uh, am I wrong when I say we are kind of sharing some ground there? Uh, because we need to, uh, you know, scientists, data scientists, and whoever man- is manipulating data, be aware of the risks that they uh, might go through whenever they manipulate data, right? <laughs>
1: Yeah, definitely. I think spot on. Asenov is one of those futuristic person who understood it before, you know, all this thing happened, and now it's happening. It's taking place already, right? Today we build robots, whether that's real physical metal metal robots or software robots, right? Now, exactly. it's, now it's it's all happening, and and this is where uh, it's important to have this principle of guiding principle.
0: Yeah. So. Danny, what are some examples of of uh, of current dilemmas? Let's say you know, um, where do you think uh, AI is currently being not appropriate or misappropriate, uh, and where are these risks? Definitely, I think
1: there are so many out there today. Um, I can you know, name some boring one, like you know, uh, today if you want to apply for to buy an insurance. They actually run a check, background check, and make sure that you actually are soluble and, and worthwhile to ensure, right? That's just very boring. That's actually what's happening behind, right? We all know it's actually you just got a background scan check whether your profile fits into that or not. Right. That's the boring one that we know. You know, there's other things like recent cases of you know, AI being used to do facial recognition. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? you know, then you can go as far as, you know, Elon Musk putting 10 million US dollars uh, into the Institute of Future to make sure AI is human friendly, right? Um, These are all, as we develop further and use more and more uh, software or IT or algorithms to make decisions on our behalf, there's so many different dilemmas that, Used to not exist, but due to now all these things that we use, these new tools that we use, become a, a real concrete dilemma, right?
0: Uh, well, yeah. I mean, uh, when it comes to uh, everyday uh, applications, uh, we are seeing more and more. Uh, I would not even call it AI. Even simple data science, or you know, collection of data. Think about when you drive a an autonomous vehicle you know, the vehicle is making pictures all around uh, itself and, uh, uh, and capturing the world uh, as it shows. Um, if you go to one of these uh, autonomous stores, um, you can go shopping in stores and, uh, and there is no cashier. Uh, there are cameras observing what you pick, what you buy. Um, and in fact, you're buying with, uh, with wireless uh, payment systems. So, you know, you're just in the shop and a machine, an algorithm, a robot, in fact, knows at what time you bought what. Uh, so these are the problems that you mentioned, right? Like the the way um, people use this data or the way they collect this data, is there where the dilemma uh, is?
1: So, yeah, I think that's a good point, Francesco. You know, it's not just at one particular step. It's the whole process, whole chain of process is holistic approach. Even before you even start collecting the data, while you're actually thinking conceptually, what is it that you're going to build? What is it that you're going to try to achieve? All the way to the collection and then to the analysis, and then also to the an automated result that you actually come up from, you know, this decision that comes up from the system. So The idea is to actually walk through all these different steps, and putting a lens and how Data ethics really play a role is actually make sure that throughout all steps you're actually making a decision that is good for the people that you work for or you want to help.
0: Right, Danny, do you see other possible uh, other possibility of bias in the in this process? Yes,
1: definitely. I mean, within data ethics, principle one of the uh, principle is about equality. You know, equality meaning what meaning? data that we collect, data that we use represents the reality that we lived in. And today, if you look at majority or biggest amount of data that we have is actually from the Western world, right? Western world, including Europe or or U.S. And typically it's mostly white people (laughs) because these are the people who are, we, I included, privileged. Uh, And this data that we collect are very much biased towards that community. What about, you know, not to say the word, black people, right? You know, this Black Lives Matter movement is also not only just in terms of equality and bias, I mean, uh, unfairness that they're looking for, but also can is equally translatable in data matters, right? So that's example of one bias. Another bias is that you would probably also heard a lot, hear a lot is actually the intercultural bias. I'll give you an example between German people and Spanish people, right? German people are very organized. One thing at a time. You do one thing at a time. You finish one thing and then you start the other thing. Spanish people are multitask. You start five things at the same time. It's not because they are disorganized. It's just because culturally they are different. Now, if you will need to take a decision model that is an automated decision model and say which behavior is a good behavior or bad behavior. If a German will write that model, they say, Spanish is bad behavior because they cannot just do one thing at a time. But if you will write, if a Spanish person will write that model, German people are giving a, you no, know, it's going to be wrong. So these are example how intercultural bias is built into potentially into model that we build. You know, one culture built that model and use in other culture and completely you know, skew the result. Another example of uh, cultural bias is actually, you know, it hits home when I was participate in this forum, uh, it was the conversation between uh, a Norwegian child welfare organization. They had this one-year project trying to build an AI model that help uh, welfare agent to take decision in analyzing uh, child abuse cases. Um, here specifically, they're trying to understand if a child goes through this certain experience, whether they can actually predict whether that child will be abused or not. Now, what they're actually analyzing is the behavior of the parents of the child toward the child, and these are actually used on migrants that are actually asylum seekers trying to establish themselves in Norway um, by just purely analyzing the behavior. And They shut down the project after one year because they realize uh, it's hard to take a decision using Norwegian values to evaluate culture from Middle East. You know, one example they say is what if the parent shouted at the kid? Is mm. that considered as abuse? And they will actually the algorithm say that's potential abuse. <laughs> and the, the outcome is, you know, at the end of worst cases they're gonna take this child away from the parents because the parents shouted at the kid.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean <laughs> So we- that's
1: that's that's a crazy
0: we are laughing, but in fact, yeah, the 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 situation is quite serious indeed. Like, they were aware of the of the consequences of, of such a program. So that's that's definitely um, an interesting point and a positive one, I must say, because maybe in other countries or in other communities they would have given full power to this AI vision of assessing uh, individuals, right?
1: Exactly. So, so so, it might seem like a fluffy thing in the beginning, but the outcome is really impacting you know, human. Uh, so that's why it's really important to be aware of this.
0: Absolutely. I agree with you, Danny. Well, I have another example uh, on the autonomous vehicle uh, scenario. And it was kind of funny because I, I put it down as a joke, but it actually made sense. Um, in another episode on, uh, on this show, we spoke about bias. Uh, a, 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 a number of episodes ago, I don't recall which number, but essentially when we discussed about training the computer vision system of autonomous vehicles, I made a joke saying, yeah, but if these vehicles are trained in the US or in Belgium, let's say, you know, there are, there are certain ways that people drive. Now, if we put these vehicles in southern Italy, where I come from, uh, <laughs> you know, you're laughing there, yeah, so you know like, what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, these cars will will panic <laughs> because people, you know, because for us, a red light is a suggestion, is not a rule, right? And so... <laughs> spot on, spot on. Now, Jokes apart, this is exactly what I think, you know, the computational bias is, and so the data bias is, is because all these artificial intelligence that will be part of your car one day, um, they will be trained on a particular population that has certain habits, certain cultures, uh, certain demographics, and so on. So it's very specific. And so you cannot really transfer (laughs) these behaviors Uh, globally, right?
1: Yeah, that's exactly a good example, even though you were joking, but it's definitely a good example. Uh, I think here we're not saying that um, it should be transferable or not. I think that's a good point. The important point here is actually where we come down to uh, another, the principle that we talk about, transparency, is actually to make sure it's explainable, right? You just explain, okay, this model, if it's trained based on US behavior or is it based on Southern Italy behavior, then we know that if you use it in other domain, that it's going to be not going to work. And this is part of explainability comes in, transparency. And also we need to know what tool and where to use and what context. Uh, I think this is part of the challenges of communication. But here, this example is a good one because we know it up front. Hence, we can already prepare or for that bias.
0: Okay. So what can we do about it? Like bias, when it comes to data, sometimes cannot be actually removed, can be mitigated, but what do you think we can do for all the other uh, sources of bias that you are pointing your fingers towards?
1: Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's where the awareness comes in, right? We cannot remove or erase it or completely. But the fact that when we start some project or about data-related building models around it. We need to be aware of that, that potentially there could be bias. We can reduce that bias, or we could actually say, look, there's potential bias. We can reduce that risk. We might not be able to remove it completely, but we know it's there. I think the f- one half of the job is done if we are aware of it. Um, and then second part is really to try to, I say try because it's still... Uh, additional effort that you need to put in to ask all relevant questions before you start working on that.
0: And what can the experts uh, do? uh, In fact, Like the experts, I mean like data scientists, uh, machine learning engineers, uh, AI experts, what can they do about it?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I think it's a bit like you know in, in old days, um, you need to be ethical if you are a doctor. you know they have a whole year of studies about ethical to be a doctor save life and all that you do you know, everything that you do need to save people's life. And today it seems so that all this expert who needs to deal with data and AI one way or another touches people's lives too. So hence they need to be aware of those basic principles. So, that they ask critical questions before they actually start working out about it. And this is why, one of the reasons why I put together a training, a awareness building workshop, to help people to ask critical question, relevant questions around data ethics before they actually go embark into the project.
0: Wow, I didn't know of that. And uh, so, what's the format of this? Uh, it's a workshop, right? You, you said.
1: Yeah, it's a workshop. So, it's a hands on thing. In the first half of the workshop, you look at different frameworks and how people use it, and then the second half of it is actually you bring your own dilemma on board. You say, look, this is the project that I'm working on. I think we have this question that we need to answer and ask, how can we actually resolve this dilemma? Because it's no right or wrong answer, it's more about being aware of it and trying to find a better outcome.
0: And uh, how can people find you, Danny? Like, uh, Is there an official website? or? Well, you can
1: find me on Twitter. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'll share this uh, coordinates at the end of this podcast. Um, so definitely, it's something that I think is important for all this, what I would call AI practitioner, people who deal with data, building models. I think it's very useful, insightful to get this um, awareness uh, and view towards this.
0: Absolutely. And indeed, uh, we will report most of your contacts, of course, the ones that you want to share in the show notes of this episode at datascienceathome.com, the official website. I also want to invite uh, followers uh, to uh, connect to our official channel on Discord. Um, It's uh, where we usually have a chat, Uh, all things, machine learning and data science and AI. And uh, definitely data ethics would be our next topic on the list. Uh, now there is one last thing I would like to touch uh, with you. That is the the Muna project. It's something that uh, you know it's it's your latest or your most recent endeavor, uh, and uh, I know part of it. Uh, but if you uh, would like to share with the followers of Data Science at Home, this is your time.
1: So Muna is a personal data marketplace where individual consumers come to sell the data, and companies who are interested. To buy them directly from consumers. So it's a marketplace, two-sided. You have consumer on one side and company on the other side.
0: Wow. So, well, and of course, as I can already imagine, there are a lot of consequences of such a simple concept uh, in terms of uh, uh, the usage of this data, the consent, as you mentioned, uh, and of course the data ethics, because uh, you know, I I, I might be abusing the system or I might be... uh, Using it in not in the proper way or how it was designed. So, what are the, the consequences of such a marketplace, in your opinion?
1: I think the consequence can be overarching and wide ranging, and that's why Muna put together a charter, a charter that is based on data ethic approach, and whoever uses the platform, whether that's company or individual, understand what they sign up for, and this is what we're going to hold them towards and hold them uh, on. Uh, and hence it is actually um, trying to build a new type of trust between you know individuals consumers and also with companies and brands
0: which are in turn the, uh, let's say data producers and data consumers you know data wise
1: that is correct that is correct and, and, and in all this story is actually to bring the individual consumer into the market right today you and I we all have our own data, but it's not always easy to monetize it. There's no one easy way, easy channel to get money out of our own data. And Muna is working on that to make it easy for individuals like you and I to actually monetize our own data.
0: Yeah, that's a very challenging one, and uh, but honestly, a very interesting. Uh, uh, also because very recently we are more and more used to think that our data has no value and uh, the big organizations that we know you know the usual suspects are in fact you know they understood this a long time ago uh and in fact they are monetizing our data without us knowing and by us i mean the 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 real users of their social networks the real users of their um, cloud services and so on and so forth uh, so as you say there is value in the data and uh, my data, my value, right?
1: <laughs> Definitely, and and this is where I think you're spot on and right. Uh, the big tech, I just group all these big companies, are really propagating this myth that you know your individual data has little value. It's only when it's aggregated, anonymized, and you know insights giving to you, which is of course, in our perspective, is completely false. Uh, because we all know that, you know, you and I, we probably, it's one time of our life sign up to some newsletter, whether that's e-commerce to get 20% or 10% discount, you know, you'd be giving your email and your name. And if, if that's for a shoe, a Nike shoe, let's say worth 200 euros, uh, you get 20% discount. That is, you know, uh, 40 euros, your name and email just gave you 40 euros. You no, know, that's the value. It's conceptual, of course. is to a, to buying a shoe, but tomorrow, if instead of buying a shoe you want to buy the Tesla, you know, <laughs> then that's again how much you will worth your your data.
0: Right. Yeah, that's a valuable point. Uh, valuable, no pun intended, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. <laughs> uh, all right, Danny. This is this was cool. Uh, it was nice to have you here on the show, and uh, I'm sure that the followers of Data Science at Home podcast will enjoy. Uh, also, they will definitely get back in touch with you um, to the contacts and to the channels that you would like to share with us and that you can find, of course, in the show notes of this episode. Uh, there is also a newsletter. Uh, there is no discount, though, for your email there. Um, the newsletter of Um And uh, you can find the link uh, on the official website, datascienceatom.com, indeed. Danny, that's it for today. I really thank you and thank you for your time and uh, for sharing uh, all your knowledge about data ethics with us.
1: Thank you, Francesco. Thank you for this occasion. And I'm very happy to be able to share all these
0: uh, views on
1: data ethics. And I look forward to listening to more of your podcast.
0: (laughs) I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.